this week on the Habs Warm. We are a few days removed from the trade deadline where nothing interesting happened at all for the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, uh, oh, oh, oh boy, am I unsatisfied with what Bergevin did there. So we're obviously going to talk about that. We'll quickly touch on what's been going on on the ice at this point. It doesn't really matter that much, but still, we'll talk about that. There's been some more injuries. You still don't like to see that, even though the season's over. And uh, touch on the Rocket, who actually started winning. On a roll. On a roll. They're on a roll. And uh, the, the the future future of the franchise, possibly, and Caden Primo doing pretty well. So we'll talk about that. And today, the prospect of the day is Marco Rossi. So you know, we'll talk about stay, him. Stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned if you want to hear about Marco Rossi. And we've got, we've got a few questions also we're going to cover. So... Uh, I guess we'll quickly talk about. Uh, I mean, last game was uh, last podcast was before uh, the game against Detroit. Uh, they lost against Detroit, and the only reason it's worth talking about that is just how imp- impressive, really, it is for the Canadians to lose all four games against the Detroit Red Wings, one of the worst teams in recent history, just statistically. Yep, historically bad. And uh, well, I know at that I don't I, like I haven't followed the Red Wings since they beat the Canadians, but uh, at that point they got their 16th win of the season, four against the Canadians. So 25 percent of your wins coming against the Canadians. Uh, it tells me here that they have 15 wins right now. Oh really? Oh well, even better. Even better. <laughs> even, even, better. <laughs> even so, they haven't won another game since uh, the Canadians. Uh, yeah, they've lost, they lost they lost three in a row, so they can only be the Canadians uh, apparently. <laughs> And uh, let's take a look at the, it. It was this was the case at the time, but let's see. Let's see. Let's say hypothetically the Canadians weren't inept and beat this terrible team four times as they should have, which would, per my amazing math, would give them eight points. Uh, and you add eight points, to, they they go up to seventy five points, and that would put them third in the division. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I mean, even if you win like. Like, okay, maybe they don't win four, but at least to win three. Like, you have to win more than you lose against yeah, the Red Wings. Yeah, for Wings. sure. You have to. Let's say at least three. Then, okay, they're they're at uh, 73, and they're right in the in the playoff push, and then maybe it's worse, because then maybe Bergevin sells the farm to try to make the playoffs, and we and we then maybe make it and get swept in the first round. So Maybe, maybe, maybe they did us a solid. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> the, the problem, though, is that then after uh, losing against the Red Wings uh, once more, they decided to unfortunately win two in a row. And I say unfortunately because the last thing I wanted was even though it's a small winning streak, a winning streak going into the trade deadline. I don't know if it affected Bergeron's decision making, but a 4-3 overtime loss, uh, overtime win against Washington and a 3 nothing win over Ottawa. I mean, it's always nice to see Price uh, add a shutout to his, uh, to his resume. I mean, we're always happy to see that, but... I mean, I, re- I kind of really wanted them to lose going going to the to the to the trade deadline. I figured maybe if they lose three in a row, mm-hmm. fall even more in the standings. Maybe Bergman is like, okay, maybe I should be more of a seller yeah. than what he ended up being. Well, I don't think it really made any difference i'm pretty sure bergevin and and based on the press conference that he had i think you know he's he sort of let it be known that he kept the guy well basically tatar and petri with the expectation of basically building around them i guess you could say next year and hopefully making the playoffs next season that press conference was horrible it, it was that press <laughs> conference was ridiculous he was all over the place he was saying well I'm, he was talking about building through the draft and he was talking about holding on. He's talking about two different. It's like he has two strategies, and he's trying to combine them into one mediocre nothing. Yeah, I mean, I've been a Bergevin supporter for. I mean, basically his whole time here, um, at, at least definitely since we started this podcast the last two years. But uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I think after that press conference and his lack of of doing anything whatsoever at the deadline. I think I think it, and I think not just myself, but a lot of people on Twitter. I think a lot of Habs fans it uh, sort of shook their confidence. Or... And here's the thing: like we, like like I've mentioned in previous podcasts, a month ago we were kind of expecting this to happen, and we were kind of okay with it because we thought we saw what Ber- we understood that Bergeron wanted to be competitive next year, and all that. But then something very important changed. Some very mediocre players ended up getting some amazing returns. Yep. And at this point, if you look at what a team uh, like New Jersey did, for example, and you compare that with what Bergevin did, mm-hmm. 
you can't argue that Bergeron wasn't a failure. Like they to turn a guy like Coleman and they, they Vatanen, who's injured right now, into some legit picks and prospects. That's what Bergeron had to do, and it's not like. We're not talking about doing a full rebuild, right? The, the whole thing now is that you do a retool versus a rebuild. And look, Petrie, fine, but there's no reason to hold on to Tatar. There yeah. just isn't. He's replaceable. His value is never going to be as good as it is right now. And he's, we're probably going to end up trading him at ne- the next trade deadline when we're still not making the playoffs because we still haven't improved our defense. And we're going to get much less value than we would have got this year. That's yeah. what I think is going to happen. No, exactly. I mean, uh, you know... I- at this point, obviously, he didn't do anything at the trade deadline or at least anything of significance. We'll see around draft time or in the offseason. Um, I mean, one of uh, Pierre Lebrun's points after, well, post-deadline, basically, he said that a lot of GMs are expecting him to uh, to make a home run or a couple of home runs in the offseason. But again, I mean, I feel like we've heard that a million times, and <laughs> we just never seem to really see it. And he has made some moves, of course. and He's made a lot of big trades. He always makes them in the offseason. Fine. But he still failed to address the main issue on this team, which is defense. For, for, for years, it's it's ever since Markov left, essentially, there's been a big gaping hole in the Montreal defense, and it, it's never been addressed. No, no, it uh, really hasn't. I mean, he's tried to put basically a couple of stop gaps there in Alsner the first time around, and Sherratt, who, I mean, obviously Sherratt's been, uh, been better, at, at least than I expected. I think a lot better than a lot of people expected, but, I mean, he's still obviously not a first... Pairing yeah. defenseman. Probably not good enough to replace uh, one of the best defensemen to play for <laughs> with the Canadians in the last 20 years. No. When I say one of, let me correct myself. The best defenseman to play with the Canadians in the last 20 years. Uh, yeah. It's just... Uh, and I mean, he did make some moves. It was so funny to me to hear about how, like, Claude Julien is not happy that they sold it. Like, okay, they, we, we got rid of, like, whatever, okay? I mean, look, people are praising the Kovalchuk move. Of course, the great asset management. No, the Kovalchuk and Scandella move. So Kovalchuk turned into a third, uh, uh, third round pick in 2020, and Scandella turned to who we got for a fourth. Kovalchuk got for free, obviously. Scandella, who got for a fourth, turned into a second and a conditional fourth. That's amazing. Yeah, obviously. That's obviously great, you know. But you, you, you wish to see more. I mean, sure, the the draft should be good this year. I mean, they added a second. There's a conditional fourth. Uh, there's a third in 2020, there's a fifth in 2021, and a fourth in 2021, and the seventh in 2020 that we're probably going to trade to the Flyers. Isn't that the team we keep trading our seventh for for some reason? Well, Steve, they keep getting sevenths. From the Flyers? From is that what Flyers, it is? Okay. So maybe we won't make that trade this year. Maybe not. Because we already have the extra <laughs> seventh. <laughs> uh, I mean, so great, added some picks, and if we didn't have these other players that are coming up with contracts in the following years, I'd be okay with it, but... I don't know. It's it's just a little disappointing. Scandalous for sure. Good. Kovalchuk, part of me actually is the one guy that I kind of wanted to hold on to because part of me was hoping, okay, maybe if we manage to re-sign Kovalchuk, then he'll want to trade Tatar because mm-hmm. that that would yeah. be the best case scenario. Yeah, yeah, I think that would have made sense. But I mean, you know, who knows what the offers were for Tatar? Sure. Um, you know what offers he might have got. But uh, I mean, again, we'll see. At this point, we'll have to wait till the draft and see if maybe he does make a move there. But um, you know, he's he's got to do something. Cause I, and I think he realizes too that he's getting to the end of his leash at this point. Oh, he's got to know. He's got to know that it's kind of like make or to break it this uh, this off season. And there's no way he doesn't understand that defense is the issue. But it, it was obvious at the end of last year, defense was the issue. Yeah. And I'm sure he. I mean, the thing he tried to do more than Sherratt was. Jake Gardner, and I'm not going to criticize him for trying to get Gardner because I was pro that, and that flopped completely in Carolina. I mean, Who it, saw that coming? But was I was it? I was just desperate, just desperate, you know, to do guess. something, you know? But Yeah, well, it's like I said, um, or like I've said before, and, well, like I was on the Habstetician podcast on Monday, but um, like I had mentioned on on the show, um, I mean, Bergevin, the thing about Bergevin is that he never really loses a trade. I mean, we talked about it last week too. I think uh, you know we might disagree a little bit on the Dwayne trade. If he was healthy, I think it'd, it'd make a big difference. But he, aside from that, when has he ever lost a trade? Not sure. He, he but I've, I've seen a lot of people make the point that that's true. But so it's so weird that even though he doesn't seem to lose trades, 
he still hasn't been able, while winning most mm. of the, his trades, or, or or at least maybe drawing even. I, I can't think off the top of my head of a truly bad trade. Yeah, but he still failed to build a team. Well, that's that's the thing. That, that's trades. what I said is that he he always wins the trades, but at the end of the day, he never seems to make. He never seems to want to pull the trigger on either. Like basically, he's just making these moves, and we're sort of just staying the same quality of a team. He's never making the move to trade a guy like Tatar and Petrie to go get picks and assets and that. And vice versa, he's not willing to ever trade prospects to go get the elite player that yeah. the Canadians need. I see what you mean. He's he basically he loves making those one for one moves. Yeah, exactly. That usually I mean the only one that's really was a huge win for the Canadians was really the Galchenyuk, the Galchenyuk one, and obviously, the, I mean, the the, the getting Dano over. Oh nothing. yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. That was that was a great was move it, too. Was a huge difference, but it's like there's a lack of focus. It's, he's a former defenseman. Does he not understand how important defense is? That's my main issue with the Dwayne for Sergachev. I don't necessarily think that Dwayne's a worse player than Sergachev, but Sergachev represents way more of a team need than, than Dwayne does. And at the time of that move, if you didn't have a plan to in place to replace Sergachev, it just did he think he was did he think he was just going to be able to? Well, I think at that point too, they they that was the off season they lost Radulov. Yeah. So you know potentially, I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I remember when when we first heard about the trade. I know I was ecstatic, and I'm pretty sure you were too. Well, I mean, it's always right. exciting to get a, a clearly skilled guy like Dwayne. The fact that Dwayne was kind of closer to the. To, to being an impact player, uh, of course it's exciting, but in hindsight, yeah, you have to you, a team has to look at what their assets are, and is it because he signed Alsner? Because that's the offseason he signed Alsner, yeah, right? Yeah. So did he think Alsner was the long term solution? That I mean, if he knows that Alsner turns out the way he does, or if he has adequate pro scouts that tell him not to fucking sign Alsner, <laughs> and he doesn't, does he still make that trade and move Sergachev away? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's tough to say, and and obviously it's easy to say now, but um, you know, and obviously the injuries too have have, uh, have hurt Dwayne. I think Sergachev has developed a little bit more than uh, than maybe people thought, including <laughs> including definitely myself. But uh, I mean, he's also obviously in a very good situation. Oh, for sure, for sure. But and the, the 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 worry with Dwayne now at this point is you're kind of starting to wonder: is he just one of those injury type players? Because he's yeah. he's missing again. He's missing today again. Because we're recording this um, on Thursday, playing the Rangers tonight. It's already been announced. The Hawaii's not playing against the Rangers now. It's a it's a wrist injury. So I mean, no, it's an ankle injury. The, uh, the wrist yeah, yeah, injury yeah, yeah. was bad, was what bad. he hurt yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'm happy to hear that it's an ankle and not his wrist. Of course, <laughs> so, yeah. So I mean, a sprained ankle. I mean, whatever. It's not the end of the world. It's nothing nothing too serious. Something that he'll uh, he'll be able to bounce back from. I mean, you know, you'd like to see him get a couple of games in before the end of the season and hopefully have some success because he has has definitely looked I mean, lost out there. He's yeah. not not that he's not you know, not that he's coasting, hasn't been the same but, as when he's Yeah, no, there. exactly. I mean he got it, off to a great start. It reminds start. me a lot more of the Drouin from last yeah. year that was very disappointing yeah. versus the Drouin that we saw earlier uh, earlier this year. And that was my big worry when he went down for a long injury in the middle of his kind of like breakout consistency thing he had going. The last thing you want to happen is that injury and it happened and I mean the, the whole team kind of fell off afterwards. I don't know if it's a direct correlation with uh with Drouin, but uh I don't know. I, I I'm less than optimistic for uh, for next year unless uh, a lot a lot of changes happen. So to, to go back to some of the trades that that happened. I mean the, I think the most interesting one really um I mean the best one for the Canadians is Scandella. That that's awesome asset management and Kind of cool for him to still have gotten to play a few games for his hometown team. But Kovalchuk, the big news around him is that it was a very amicable uh, trade. And apparently Bergevin could have had uh, slightly, who knows, how better uh, offer elsewhere. But he gave Kovalchuk what he wanted. He he Kovalchuk was basically the only player the Capitals could add to their day. They, they were completely at the cap. Yeah. And the Canadians still retain the salary, so he adds something like seventy thousand dollars to their. Ca- it's not. Oh yeah, something ridiculous. But I mean, I don't know. I feel, I feel like a lot of people made it. Well, maybe not a lot of people, but I know like uh, some in the media anyway made a bit of a a stink with the fact that Bergevin took less 
because Kovalchuk didn't want to go somewhere and he wanted to go there instead. But I feel like this is something that I'm sure happens on a regular basis. When you're talking about the deadline and you're talking about a player that, like a veteran like this, I, I don't see what. I the, think it's something that would very rarely happen with a player that just signed a month ago. Uh, yeah, uh, you're probably right almost about that. Ne- almost never happens there. But like, but, we're not but, talking but about like they would not have gotten a first round pick. Exactly. You know, we're like, talking about got, a, a for, small yeah, first difference. of all, let's make something clear. Like, so they got a, thir- a late third round pick. Maybe the difference is they could have gotten like a pick that was twenty like, yeah. from a team that maybe is likely to finish like earlier than the than the Capitals, but so it, probably fairly irrelevant at the end of the day. And we have so many picks at the draft, we could probably move up with that pick by like giving up some other picks. That's not that big of a deal. I mean, the, the main thing for me is it's clear that Bergman does want to re-sign Kovalchuk if he mm-hmm. can in the offseason. It seems, it, it truly seems like Kovalchuk will consider he's been, like he talked about how he his kids were saying he didn't they didn't want to leave they loved Montreal he 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 said quotes he was asked specifically what would you say to to uh, players that don't want to come to Montreal he said they he says they're wrong it's a great place to play hockey and what have you so you never know what can happen but it sounds like he'll definitely pick up the phone when Bergevin calls on uh, on July first and if we do end up resigning Kovalchuk and it's a big a big part of it is because of the way uh, he was treated on the exit then it's worth it and and something also that. That came to mind is that well, first of all, earlier in the year, uh, when Kovalchuk was kind of doing really well, Romanov, uh, someone asked him about uh, how he felt about it, and Kovalchuk is is a star in Russia, right? Like oh, yeah. he went to the KHL, chose the KHL and NHL, and dominated there for years. He, he's a very, very well respected, like top player in Russia. Played for the Olympic team and all that. And Romanov said. You know, it's very exciting to see him doing well for the Canadians and all that. And like for sure, this is something. Kovalchuk saying Montreal Canadiens are a great team to play for means something for players in Russia. Mm-hmm. For, I'm convinced for sure. And there's oh, always yeah. these players that are coming out of the KHL. Their teams are fighting to sign, and that happens constantly. And I'm convinced that this is something that will do well for Bergevin for the Canadians moving forward because one of the elite. Most influential Russians in the NHL right now vouches for the Canadians. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely not going to hurt. Um, so it actually kind of goes into one of the uh, one of the questions that we got, actually a Facebook question, I think Facebook? for the first time ever. Wow. Um, so it comes from one of our listeners, and I'm sorry if I butcher your name, <laughs> Seamus Isenor. Um, so basically, just well, his first question is, do you think Kovalchuk will sign with the Habs come July 1st? I think there's a good chance. Yeah. I think there's really a good chance. Uh, the thing is, is some people were saying, oh, what if he loves it in Washington and wants to stick around, blah, blah, blah. Washington can't afford him. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, especially, especially if he does well in the playoffs. And, like, at the end of the day, he can he can love playing wherever he wants. But he still wants to get a few paychecks before he calls it a career. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, I don't – like, the rumors were the Canadians were offering, like, a $3 million plus bonuses. Mm-hmm. I I really don't think they can fit. No, that yeah, cap, I don't. Right? I don't think so. Yeah, I think at the end of the <clears throat> at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's either going to be the Capitals or the Canadians. I don't think he ends up going anywhere else. I mean, maybe he does fall in love with Washington if they have a long run. Obviously, they have a bunch of Russians there as well. I'm sure that helps. Um, like you said, I mean, it would be pretty tough for them to actually fit his, fit a deal yeah. in there. So it probably very unlikely. So I, I think there's a pretty good chance the Canadians bring him back. I mean, the Canadians obviously would love to have him back. He obviously seems to love Montreal. And with what just happened with this trade and and, and Bergman come kind of like doing him, doing right by him. If you're Kovalchuk, and let's say the the Capitals get kicked out and they don't they don't win the Stanley Cup this year. I'm sure he still wants to win a cup, and people are going to say, oh, he's going to want to sign with a contender. Well, now he knows he can come to Montreal. He can he can have a huge spotlight where people, he's going to get hyped up. He can feed off the crowd, and if if it comes to the end and the Canadians are still not in a position that they're going to make the playoffs and make a run, he knows that Bergeron is going to do right by him and move him to a contender. So if in, in a way, it might be better for him to go to a city where he... He enjoyed already. His kids like it, so he can go live there for a bit. If it works out, great. You can you can make a run in Montreal. And if it doesn't, you know that you'll probably be able to be moved to a team that might help you go for a cup at that point. So, I mean, it's almost a, a smarter way to 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 like kind of get yourself in a position to win a cup because it's hard in the offseason to know who's going to be really performing well during the season. Yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, I mean, it's a you know it was a good move, and and I definitely think you know Kovalchuk there's. 
a good chance. I mean, better than fifty percent. I would say. I, I would say Pretty the Canadians are probably the 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 most likely to sign Kovalchuk. Yeah. Nothing's ever guaranteed. Yeah, definitely. But I think they're probably the most likely to sign Kovalchuk. Yeah. So I mean, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully they can get it done. Hopefully yeah, I mean, he doesn't like Washington too much. No matter what, he was so fun to watch. I'm I'm, I'm down to resign him for if it's going to be another year like this. Let's let's have some some fun players to watch. Um. So well, I mean, we kind of already touched on this too. Um. Do you think they should have traded Tatar today? Or well, on obviously on trade deadline, while his value is high, rather than keeping him around, absolutely, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, who knows what exactly the offers were that he got? But we but, talked about this last week. We would have been happy with some of the returns that what we consider lesser players got. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I mean, just what uh, what New Jersey got for Blake Coleman. I mean, getting a first round pick plus uh, Nolan prospect Foot. Nolan Foot. I mean, that's that's a pretty. It's a pretty good deal. Dude, what is essentially two first-round picks for Tatar? Anything equivalent to that? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, he obviously, you know, he has one year left on his deal on a great contract. I mean, you know, especially if the Canadians ended, you know, if, if they were to retain 50%. I mean, they, they can still probably get something really good in the offseason, but... Probably not going to get the same value. You would have to think. Well, you, I, I would, I would highly doubt they get the, anywhere near the same, the same value. Because like they, you're, you're paying for two cup runs usually, right? That, yeah. That, that's well, the that's, big, the, that's thing. the big thing. Right? I still think they can get something really good though for him. But I don't think if they hold, I don't, I don't believe this off season stuff unless he, he's part of a bigger trade or something. But I, I really don't understand why you would hold on to him this trade deadline just to move in the off season. To me, a guy like Tatar, yeah. if they held on to him, because they want him to, at the start of next year. Yeah, well, I think that. Yeah, I mean, based on what he said in the press conference, I think that that is what what it sort of seems like. And because what the Canadian, the move the Canadian needs to do is to improve their defense. And I don't think Tatar is going to get you what we need. It's going to no. be more of a, you know, maybe more of a Max Domi like we've talked about already to to improve mm-hmm. the defense, right? Yeah. So I mean, uh, we'll see. But it, yeah, it looks like they're probably going to Tatar. I'm sure is going to start the season with the Canadians next year. And and the the, the big thing. So there was there was Petrie and there was Tatar. I was not. I don't think you were either on, on the trade. Both of them uh, train. And the, the main reason why for me, I don't mind holding on to Petrie, even though an argument can definitely be said that it's it's better asset management. Go get the picks. I mean, there was there was reports from I think it was McKenzie saying that Petrie is by far. The, the potential mover that was garnering the most interest. like yeah. That's someone I'm convinced Canadians can have a huge return for. But the thing with Petrie is if the, the next if next season is the same as it was this year, I don't think the difference between what we could have got this offseason and what we could get uh, what we could have got this deadline and what we could get next year at the deadline for Petrie is as wide as it is for Tatar. Because I see no reason mm-hmm. why Petrie is going to kind of fall off that much defensemen like that teams love him i'm convinced we could still get a good return for him next year a guy like tatar he's having one of his best years in a while he's top scorer on the team it's just it's just kind of going perfectly for him and i have a hard time believing next year his season is gonna be as good as this one so no matter what his value is going to be lower next year if we do end up trading yeah i don't think tatar I, I, I mean i can't see his value getting any higher than it is right now and like you said, Petrie, I mean, he is getting a little bit older. Uh, but as a rental, one year, yeah. and like I could see, I could see Petrie being the the hot ticket at the next deadline if the Canadians are out of it again. Yeah, no, it could uh, could very well be, and he's definitely harder to replace for the Canadians, Absolutely. I think, than uh, than Tatar. Arguably impossible to replace going to next year. Trading Petrie would really mean that we're like, okay, next year is a another kind of retooling year, unless yeah. a big move happens. Yeah, but uh, I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens around the draft, and and obviously going to free agency. The Canadians do have quite a bit of cap room. We got a couple of guys to re-sign, however, obviously like Max Domi. But um, that oh boy, does that scare me? Yep. <laughs> but I mean, he hasn't obviously hasn't had a great year. Well, he has been on fire a little bit as of late. But but I mean, Bergman doesn't seem to overpay too much when no. it comes to this these no, types of like moves and all that so i'm not not too too worried about it but uh I mean, I mean honestly i would rather move him for a defenseman than than give him the type of contract he probably wants yeah yeah so and, and i mean maybe maybe it ends up happening you know we'll see yeah uh, yeah i mean that's the sort of tr- that's that's the sort of trade that you usually see more like around the draft or in the off season where Absolutely. Trade i did not expect uh cause there were some domi rumors uh, mainly to Minnesota for like a Brodine or a, yeah, I mean that's definitely Dunga. something that could happen in the offseason. I, I think absolutely, and that that I don't that, like you said that was never going to happen at the at the no. deadline. It really doesn't make any sense. 
It is weird, though, with the whole, everything around Bergeron seeing two games in Colorado and both mm-hmm. Joe Sackick and Bergeron being all cheeky and winking at the, <laughs> the cameras. Like, what was going on there? Yeah, just, there I mean, had to be something. There had to be something. And then uh, and I, I know he's not exactly the most reliable source. He's a bit of a, bit of a seems to have some some loose marbles maybe a little bit. But Mike Commodore loves to act like he's a oh yeah like he's an insider. And he he <laughs> he, he has actually broken some trades in the past. He had a few this that, but he seems to like I think he has some sources. But anything he gets, he just throws it out there. Unlike yeah. a McKenzie, who will make sure everything is correct. Yeah. And so, obviously, the ones that do pan out, they pan out. And he's the first one because he doesn't check anything. <laughs> so, he goes, like, maybe, like, 30%. But uh, he was saying uh, Drouin was being moved to Colorado, which a lot of people like to make that connection because Drouin played with yeah, McKinnon, McKinnon. And they were obviously. they were an amazing duo there. So, I don't know if they have the defenseman the Canadians really need there on that team, though. Well, I mean, Ryan Graves would have been a great defenseman to get. Yeah. yeah. Young, but uh, once again, I still think that's an off-season move. If it does yeah, happen. yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't see why the why the Avalanche would trade Ryan Graves for, especially for someone that's been injured the whole season. Yeah, exactly. It makes absolutely no sense. Exactly. I mean, I think uh, Tatar could have definitely made some sense for them. Um, but uh, yeah, it was definitely a weird situation. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. There was even some talk Carey Price, but. Well, yeah, because well, because the thing is, is Grubauer went down, and the yeah. next day Bergeron was in Colorado, but like he was probably already on a flight to Colorado. No, exactly. And the Grubauer stuff got got, got announced. And, um, yeah. so we might as well touch on on the last Twitter question that we got. So Ryan Rabalkin, uh, we making the playoffs in twenty twenty one? Question mark. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard to say because, man, we, first of all, with the parity in the NHL. And we just said it. If they win all the games against Detroit, they're in the playoffs all right now. Yeah. That, that, that's how close they were for it to flip this year. Changes I mean, I have to happen. Not yeah. if the same defense is, is there. But, I mean, I'll say yes. You think so? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I th- it's, it can't be the same team again. Yeah. <laughs> it just can't be. But maybe it will be. And if it is the same team, I I don't think so. I agree. I don't I, think like, so. But that's what I said at the beginning of this but, year. I wasn't very confident about making the playoffs at the beginning of this year because we came into it with the the same team, same yeah. defense especially. Yeah. And I mean, that that part of that worries me because Bergman and Claude Julien love talking about how it's just oh it's injuries and oh we got unlucky this year or whatever. But I mean, there were a lot of injuries. Um, you know, but they're not even top five in the most man games lost. No, I know, but like everyone like, gets injuries. You know, there was like Dwayne, for instance, got off to a great start, and then we lost them all season long. I mean, Armia too went down like at the worst time. Like, are you expecting Dwayne to get eighty-two games a season? Like, well, ever? maybe not, but still, he went down like at the worst possible time. Yeah, no, but sure. yeah, I mean, I de- I definitely don't think that Bergevin is just going to stand pat again. I think he knows that it's basically his last chance here. Yeah. What about so, what about Julien? Do you think Julien starts the year as a coach next year? That's a good question. So the, the, the GM, I would have said yes, but he... The GM rarely gets to fire two coaches, is the thing. That's that's the, That seems to be what people say is the general idea. You kind of get to put in your yeah. one coach. Yeah. No, I feel like no. I feel I feel like usually they're allowed two fires. You feel you feel, <laughs> I think but like so. the second one better fucking pan yeah, out like exactly. really, yeah, really, sure. really quick. Well, I I think he's definitely on his last legs too, especially like the way that he sort of. I don't know, he just always seems frustrated. Obviously, the Canadians aren't playing well, but like throwing be, players under the bus too, and, and the like, players' responses to. Like when Lekkonen got scratched, which both of us 100% no, was, disagree with. I think pretty much everybody yeah, disagrees. But yeah, and, and like the thing is, Lekkonen, if anything, he's one of the most underrated players on the Montreal Canadiens. And Lekkonen's the type of player that when you talk to a fan and he talks to you about how Lekkonen is useless, that's when you know that fan doesn't know anything about hockey. No, exactly. To think that Claude Julien is one of those fans <laughs> is terrifying. Yep. He's one of the most important pieces on the team, and it's more than just scoring. He, he's one of the best penalty killers on the team. He's just so consistent. He still gets some chances to score. He's an amazing third liner, and he's the guy you're using. Yeah, when, uh, why, why wasn't Domi ever benched? Yeah, I mean, there's so many other guys you could throw under the bus. Basically, it anybody. No it makes <laughs> no sense. 
No, de- definitely a weird situation. And, and I mean, the comments from the players, like I think it's yeah, Dano, Dano said yeah. that, well, he, 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 someone asked him if he thought it was trade deadline uh, related. And Dano was like, it must be. I see no other reason for him yeah. to be. And Coach Jan was like, no, 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 that's not what it is. I mean, he wouldn't maybe come out and say it if it was, but I don't think it was. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's a weird, definitely a weird situation. I mean, um, there's no point probably finding the coach at this point. Uh, no, but uh, that not. could be another offseason move. But who who is it? Who who replaces Julien? Oh, that's that's a good that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, everyone loves if you if you type into Google, uh, uh, does Gérald Gérald Galin speak French? <laughs> well, no, the first thing that comes up is speak French. Yeah. Like it like it, like, exactly. it, it, like auto fills that, and it, he apparently doesn't unfortunately. But he has a French name. <laughs> so you know, maybe we could trick the media. He's coached in the queue before. Yeah, and he must have a little bit of French. Apparently, he knows a little bit. Yeah, and he he's but, he, he was an assistant in Montreal. He was well yeah. loved in Montreal. So I mean, he's a solid. I, but I don't I don't understand his situation though. He keeps getting kind of the short end of the stick, and no one really yeah, understands why weird. he's getting let go. So I don't know if he doesn't kind of get along with management when he's on a team or what is it? But especially the whole Vegas situation. Well, I think they were just. I don't know. Like they made a move out of desperation. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Well, I mean, obviously, the, the, what happened in Florida was very weird. Too. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's gonna. I don't know if he could be a real feasible option just because of the French thing. So who is it then? Like Duchamp is too early for him. I can't be Duchamp. Yeah, like Joy, they all. Joy like, Bouchard has been so disappointing in Hamilton. Yeah, yeah in Laval. <laughs> and disappointing. Yeah, it, but for me, it's he's he's not an NHL coach. Yeah, that, that too. I At agree least with that. like he, like he, the way yeah. that like basically the the way that you know basically I mean there were three veterans: Pekka, Veroni, and, and Barber all got shipped out of town because he he just can't handle veterans yeah. well. And it was the same thing last year with uh, with Hunter Shinkarik and uh, and Alexandre Grenier. Never got on, never was on the same page with him. So, I mean, that right there, the way that he, I mean, I think he's very good with young players, yeah. but with veterans, it's just not going to work. So, so then who is it? Because you know what, I don't want to keep doing musical chairs. I think it was RDS had a, had a graph who mm-hmm. could be the next Habs coach, and they had Tarion on on there. We're not going to do uh, that again. I hope not. <laughs> and, like, I'm sick of doing musical chairs and just switching between all the same coaches. Like, what is it going to be? Vigneault is going to be the next Hab coach again, you know? Honestly, Vigneault, I wouldn't mind. We're, you're, I we're, wouldn't we're mind really going to do three coaches in a row who were former <laughs> Habs coaches left for a while and bring them back, give them their last contract, their last paycheck? Uh, I mean, Vigneault I would do. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, hope, I, I hope it's not Mark Crawford. First of all, yeah, or I pa- really or hope Patrick it's not. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to see that either. No. I don't think that would go very well. I mean, two coaches. The one guy that I would like to see would be Benoit Gru, who's the head coach of uh, the Syracuse Crunch. He's he would be a good uh, good option. And there's also Andre Tourigny, who is right now the head coach of the Ottawa 67s in the OHL. He's a former assistant coach in the NHL. I think he would be a pretty good option. Um, so, I mean, those two guys... I'd were, rather give a shot to a new guy, give him his first shot as a coach. Yeah. Uh, Benoit Grou, he's coached the, the World Junior team. He's coached he's coached the last couple of years in Syracuse. They always have a competitive team. Obviously, Tampa Bay is a good team. So yeah. He's he's graduated a lot of players there, so I think he would be... I mean, that's, a, that, that's a great point, because Tampa Bay <laughs> seems to be one of those teams that constantly churns out these, like, fourth, fifth-round picks that are yeah. come, come and play with the... For, for, for them and just like develop well right so I mean I, I like that and I, I'm definitely like if it was up to you would you would you fire Julian in the offseason I, I, I think so I mean the way that it's going I mean we'll see how it how it ends here but from and I would have said no like a couple of weeks ago but I just feel the way that that it's 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 working out the last couple of weeks yeah, and the I'm responses from some I'm of the seeing. veterans yeah ex- I feel the same way I feel the same way but I really don't want it to be like a Vino situation like enough of that Let's bring in a new guy, see what he can do. I'd ra- I'd rather do that honestly, because especially with the, the NHL, the, the game has changed so much. The, the main issue with these older coaches like Julien, Terrier, and all that is that they 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 kind of struggle at adapting their style of play to mm-hmm. the modern NHL. Bring me some young blood. Come on. What about Guy Boucher? I mean, he's real interesting. If you if you listen to Angels, the French Habs podcast, when he's on, he he knows what he's talking about, but. Yeah. Do we want to watch uh, his version of the trap uh, eighty-two I mean, times a year? Yeah, when's the last time he's coached? Wasn't he in Ottawa? Like wasn't a, he like the? Yeah, that, I feel 1A, like that was a while ago. Wasn't that a while ago? 
I don't know. Guy Boucher's but, kind of been a failed experiment in the NHL. I don't. I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, he gets off to good starts, right? Good for with him. teams. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe he's the head coach for a year with the Canadians. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how the end of the season goes. I mean, as for as for the uh, the other trades that happened at the deadline, I mean, nothing too. I mean, we, you you kind of touched on it a little bit how uh, two veterans were shipped out. This was strictly an AHL move, so. Uh, Phil Verone and uh, Riley Barber moved out for Jake Lucchini and Joseph Blandizi. I, th- this seems to be simply Verone and Barber just yeah did, they, they got rid well. of them for whatever they could yeah um, and uh, I mean Joël Bouchon actually purposely put three young guys so Kutkiemi who is a Kutkiemi yeah, Hudon Evans and Hudon together and then put the veterans on one line just to prove a point yeah. and apparently if you watch it, it's very it was very clear. The lines that were working, the ones that weren't. Yeah. So and then Pekka all got moved out also. So that was just just a move to kind of clear house. I mean, if there's some bad kind of like mentalities from veterans in the locker room in the AHL, is the last thing you want for yeah. sure. Yeah. But I, again, like it's two years in a row that he has like falling out with veterans. Yeah. And I just feel like moving forward, like I mean, they got Barber and Verone, who before I think Verone was like the leading scorer in the AHL like two seasons ago. Yeah. So. I mean, are the Canadians going to be able to get more of these? Because obviously, it's important to have these veterans yeah. on the on your AHL team. You can't stop kids. It's going to be it's going to be tough. Maybe you know, moving forward to, to sign these guys. Yeah, I mean, if they don't so, pan out without with us, anyways, we'll just have to make the have the kids play. Well, I guess, but I'd need to be cool if the Rocket could be competitive. <laughs> and uh, the uh, the worst trade of the day. Just because I wasn't sad to see this guy go, but just because the way it happened, so the pretty much the last trade that was announced, or one of the last trades, was Nick Cousins. Mm. So I was, I mean, like like most Habs fans, I'm sure, refreshing Twitter, refreshing uh, the R Hockey subreddit, refreshing like all my different like sources for for NHL news, and it was past 3 p.m. There's another trade. The Canadians are involved in a trade, and you just, you knew it was going to be nothing, but it's taking so long. <laughs> you start telling yourself, oh, maybe it's the big trade. Maybe it's taking longer to get through because of all the things involved and all the salaries and blah, blah, blah. Nope. Uh, Nick Cousins for a fourth-round pick. Who cares? I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, whatever. Well, apparently they offered him a contract, and he didn't want to come back. So um, Apparently that's why they traded him. Um, I mean, whatever. He's a diamond dozen kind of guy anyway. So I mean, not only that. I mean, I'd, I'd rather not have him on the team with the way that Julien was utilizing Yeah, that's true. Him. I do find him underrated, though. Like, he is on pace for, like, 15 goals this season. Obviously, he gets way too much power. Well, that's the time. thing. He gets all the opportunities in the world. No, that's true. But I think he's 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 underrated. He could have been a good player for us if he wanted sure. to come back. But at the same time, he is a dime a dozen guy. Like, yeah, he's not yeah, he's sure. not very hard to replace, especially with, you know, like Jake Evans and Ryan Paling probably playing with the Canadians next year. And then the only really other player of note that got moved was uh, Nate Thompson. I mean, Nate Thompson, sad to see him go. He's a great leader in the room for sure. Uh, seemed to be he had he had great things to say about Jake Evans as he was mm-hmm. leaving. Thought he was going to be a great player, but I mean that's kind of why you have to move him out because it's time to for Jake Evans to now step in. Yeah, exactly. It's always always kind of sad to see you know one of those those veteran type guys leave, but you know at the same time you know it was time for Jake Evans. He's definitely proved himself in the AHL this year. I mean Thompson was only here for like a year, a season. Well, I mean like yeah, a year parts, and a half. Yeah, exactly. And in the short time he was here, his little shimmy dance celebration yeah. <laughs> became iconic, right? It's 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 the it's the first thing you'd see pop up on Twitter, people posting after a good win and all that. So it just, it just goes to show, and the players seem to love him and all that. He's, he's one of those guys definitely rooting for him uh, going oh, yeah. forward. I mean, I always like rooting for the veterans that probably don't have a lot of chances left uh, when it comes to the playoffs and the Canadians aren't involved. So. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully you find success with the Flyers. I mean, I don't really like the Flyers, so not too much success, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> and uh, all right, so moving on from that, so we touched on this a little bit, but uh, game tonight, Drouin injured again, which means emergency call up for Charles Dudon. Uh, great for Charles. Terrible for the Rocket. Terrible for the Rocket. <laughs> hopefully, he goes back down very soon. Yeah, because uh, I mean, finally, the Rocket would kind of been on a on a on a run there. That's the thing that's kind of worrying me with all the moves that happen is, okay, sure, we got some fourth-round picks and fifth-round picks moving guys like Thompson and and uh, and Cousins, but now we're really, really thin with Kovalchuk gone and all that. Yeah, I was worried this was going to happen and we're going to just take, like, for no reason, 
just make the rocket worse, even because the Canadians aren't going anywhere either, right? So yeah, well, on the rocket too, unfortunately, have had a lot of injuries, so uh, they've had to make a couple of like basically signing a couple of random guys. They signed one guy off the street, basically from <laughs> from McGill University. Um, who's actually looked pretty good when I went to the game on Saturday. Actually played pretty well, Nathaniel Halbert. But um, yeah, they've had to make a couple of uh, signings themselves to just to make sure that they have enough players to play. But uh, I mean, three wins in a row, a lot to do with Caden Primo for sure. He's allowed one goal in each of the last three games. Looks like they're gonna continue to ride him because I mean he's he's been amazing. Um, and the more he seems, the more he plays, the, the better he seems to get. I mean, a big win yesterday against. Um, one of the best team, well, definitely the best team in the division. One of the best teams in the AHL, the Belleville Senators, four-one win, where Hudon got the game-winning goal. So again, that's going to hurt the Can- or uh, well, the Rocket. Rocket yeah. But uh, two big games on Friday and Saturday. They're tied for fourth right now, uh, so last playoff spot in the division. And now Mete's out for the season, so that you know one, one less player to if there's more injuries on the Canadians. I mean, I don't think the Rocket can afford to lose, lose anything more on defense. No, I mean, uh, no, they pretty much don't have anybody left on defense yeah. at this point. I mean, Josh Brook has looked pretty good the last couple of games. Um, Otto Liskinen uh, was injured. He had a concussion. He should be back over the weekend. So uh, he could be a call-up for the Canadians uh, by the end of the season. But um, the Rocket are definitely hurting right now, but they have been playing really well, so hopefully they can keep it up and make the playoffs. I mean, for them to make the playoffs, I think what's been going on with Primo needs to keep going. Oh, yeah, it's for of, sure. It's, it's his chance to kind of show exactly what he can be. Because, uh, I mean, who knows? the way If he finishes strong, the Canadians might be like, all right, F it, let's just use him as the backup going forward. Because, I mean, something I wanted to talk about, too, I mean, it's been two years, if not more, of the Canadians failing one of the biggest holes has been the left defense, but the second biggest hole has been backup goaltender. Yeah, definitely, and it's it's been bad. The the season's over, right? The Canadians aren't making the playoffs, and Price is playing every single game, and it's just are yeah, it they just no burning sense. him out on purpose? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, especially at this point, you might as well give Charlie Lindgren a couple of games, and you know, see see if he can impress you or, or whatever but uh, I mean Caden Primo is 20 or 21 years old right now I don't think it make, makes much sense for him to sit behind Price and play like 15 games or 15, well, no, that's, games. that's the whole idea though is that you, you don't want Price in a situation yeah, where no, his backup's yeah. only playing 15 yeah. games so if he's playing 30 games yeah 30, I guess 35 games, I'd still rather see 30, him 30 35 playing. games in the, in the NHL is arguably just as good as playing 15 games in the AHL maybe maybe but I mean I think there are quite a few good potential backups coming into the offseason. Well, I mean, we'll see if they re-sign with their teams or not. But if the best player to be backup for the Canadians is Caden Primo, that might be the best thing to do for for the team. And I don't think it hurts his development that much. You get to no, practice with the team. Not. You, as long as he is playing, as long as he is playing like 30, 35 games, like obviously if he gets to the point where he falters and, and they don't want to play him that much, then maybe okay and we need to sign someone else. Then you send him to AHL, but if you give him a good amount of games, it might be good for him going going into into next year because we can yeah. sign new backups every year. It never seems to pan out. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I feel like the last good one, like Montoya, was pretty good. He wasn't too bad, I guess. He wasn't bad. And then I mean, Budai was awesome. Yeah, Budai was good. Yeah. Takarski. My well, boy. <laughs> you just like him because his name is Dustin. That's how simple-minded you are. Dude, he was great. That, that he, playoff run? Yeah, playoff run was okay. Well, wasn't he like five feet tall? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I mean, look, height is not always like we love Cole Caulfield. But when it comes to goaltending, it's it's when when they look so noticeably smaller yeah, than no, the average true. goalie, it's it like the, the players are just walking in and just seeing holes all over the place. Yeah. I'm convinced if I was six foot four, I'd be in the NHL. Okay, there, Dustin. Okay, <laughs> sure, and I'd be in the NBA. And uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, so moving on, let's move on to the. Oh, did you have another question or? No, that's no, it. We covered all of them. All right, so the prospect of the day. So today we're talking about Marco Rossi. Before we get started on Marco Rossi, though. Rossi. Rossi. Whatever. Who cares? I'm not here to pronounce things properly. <laughs> I'm going to do what is now our tradition uh, while we talk about these potential players that we're going to draft. I go on tankathon.com. It's uh, somewhere where you can do simulate the draft lottery. Uh, for those who do not remember, the day we talked about Lafreniere, I simmed only one click, 
did it once. Canadians ended up with the first overall pick. So I'm just saying, you know, it can happen. So right now, I think it's pretty similar to where they were last time. Canadians are predicted to be the eighth pick uh, with a 6% chance to get first overall, 19% to get uh, a top three pick. Let's do the little simulation and see what happens. Oh, wow. Winnipeg actually winning the, the draw first and Arizona second. But that would just hurt the Canadians dropping down to 10th. Dropping down to 10th. Well, definitely not getting Marco Rossi at 10th overall. That's I thought it was sure. Rossi. No, that's what you said. I know that's what I said. I'm <laughs> with you. So, <laughs> Marco Rossi, probably not falling to 10th. But if, if we stay at 8th, you see, that seems to be about where he projects to go, right? Uh, well, for me, he's he's probably the fifth best prospect in the draft. Um, I mean, I would I would have it Lafreniere, Byfield, uh, Stutzel, and Drysdale three four, and then Rossi probably fifth. Um, I mean, there are some concerns about his height. I mean, I, I, I it really I think it depends on who picks. I mean, he could definitely go maybe even four, maybe even third. To be honest with you, but he could any basically anywhere between three and I would say like eight. He could go. So if the Canadians stay at eighth, maybe. But uh, I mean, fantastic player plays in the. Uh, so he's Austrian-born. Plays uh, with the Ottawa Ottawa Sixty Sevens in the OHL. Potentially, I mean, I could definitely see Ottawa potentially drafting him. With he one of the seems picks. like such a like typical falls in the draft player though. Small frame comes from a country that doesn't produce the most NHL players. Like those guys always tend to fall in the draft. So. Yeah, but he is playing in the OHL. Yeah, fair. And he has 105 points in 50 games. That's pretty so good. that's pretty good. Pretty Last good. time I checked for yeah. a, for yeah. a draft eligible guy, especially. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, it, it, the size is really the only concern with him. He's not the most responsibly defensively either, um, necessarily. I mean, he's got a high motor. And I mean, the bi- biggest thing for him really is the vision. You now he's got elite vision on the ice. Always finds his teammates. Um, I mean, he's, he's playing on a pretty good team as well. Obviously, one of the coaches that I mentioned, uh, Andre Tourigny, yeah. is a, a potential replacement. I mean, he could potentially be the the uh, maybe the next coach for the Canadians at some point. But uh, I mean, Marco Rossi's got the speed. He's got the vision. A great passer. He's a center as well. Could help. You know. But here, here, here here's the thing. Well, well, first of all. The, Five nine centers in the NHL. How often do you see that? You probably end up on the wing. Yeah, you I know? mean that's obviously you know one of the concerns again is is, is I mean even even size. Suzuki was slightly bigger than him. People were like, oh, who knows at center? But he, he's proven people wrong, of course. But here, here here's the thing. As far as as the Canadians go, I mean I I'm I think people overrate sometimes size, especially in the new NHL. But I really don't see the Canadians who already have the reputation of being a small team, who just drafted Cole Caulfield. People were happy about the Cole Caulfield pick because it was a 15th overall pick and it kind of slipped, slid a little bit to them. But I don't see them picking another small, small guy one year removed from picking Cole Caulfield. Yeah, well, he's, he's three or four inches taller than Cole Caulfield. <laughs> so he's like basically a giant. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. So yeah, they should just draft him and then have, or have Cole Caulfield announce the pick oh he'll seem, he'll seem huge that's yeah, a good idea <laughs> oh that's a good idea actually yeah just but i mean he'd be a great so. he, like he'd be an amazing player to have again if if he does fall because of his size i mean the the, the teams that don't pick him are definitely going to regret it so i mean i definitely he, he definitely has nhl vision but like the, the, look at these other guys you know lucas raymond alexander holtz cole perfetti you don't, you think he, he he's better than these guys? Definitely has more a higher ceiling than some than well all of them definitely. Um, I mean he he's an elite talent compared to some. I mean those those guys are obviously great players as well. I they don't have the elite level potential that uh, or Marco Rossi has for sure. I mean the way that he plays. I mean he's a great passer. He's got a great shot. He does play. He actually plays on the PK as well for Ottawa. So I mean he does have. I mean, his defensive response or uh, awareness isn't that bad, but... I think there's a difference between five-on-five five defensive awareness and yeah, on, yeah. on the penalty kill. Yeah, but uh, no, I mean, there's there's definitely not too many holes in his game. And again, I mean, the, the really the only one concern is his size. And if he had a little bit more size, I mean, I don't definitely don't think he's as good as Lafreniere, but I mean, he'd definitely be in the top three. But top would, three would you you wouldn't pick him over because we've already talked about Stutzel and Drysdale. No, you wouldn't. So the earliest you would pick him if you were the one for drafting. me is the fifth best prospect, fifth, fifth best yeah. in okay. the draft. Fair enough. 
I mean, uh, we'll see. I just don't see. I just don't see them to just because of the in Montreal picking another yeah. <laughs> small frame guy. It's just the optics of it. And like I know that's not how they should look at it, but you know that it affects it a little bit sometimes. Like if they're hesitating between him and some other guy, and they're like, all right, let's just go for the guy that we're not gonna get, not. It's not gonna have drama around him because he's too small. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't think they care. You, you, I don't think Bergevin cares that much. I don't know. He did. Was it Bergevin who drafted Louis Leblanc, or was that no. before Bergevin? No, that was way before. That was way before. That was in two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah. Bergevin doesn't seem to care. It's true, but I just, I just, if it wasn't Cole Caulfield last year, and then to do it again, because it is important to have some size on your team. Yeah, yeah. No, of course. Of you know, course. I, I, of course, you should always, you should draft best player available. But that's more true if you're talking about later in the draft when you're talking about a top ten pick. It can make a bit of sense to look at, you know, need. Well, I, yeah, I definitely agree with that, and that's why I would take Drysdale basically ahead of everyone. Yeah. Well, obviously, aside from Lafreniere and, and Byfield, but I mean, uh, he just has that elite talent that I don't think he can pass up on, even despite his size. I mean, yes, there's a lot of other good guys in the draft like Perfetti, like uh, like Raymond, like uh, Anton Lundell. They all, you know. So you players, you think but, if it said uh, even just five ten. Or five, because there seems to be a big difference between five nine and five ten. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if it's just like a mental thing. We seem to think it's like let's say if it says five eleven next to his name, you think he he's 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 the third overall. He, he's the third. He's like there's no discussion. Yeah. He's the third overall. Oh yeah, player. definitely. Yeah. But uh, we'll Fair see. Enough. Maybe maybe he grows two inches before the draft. But, but we could have a uh, Cole Caulfield uh, on 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 one wing on the left wing. Uh, Marco Rossi at center and Gallagher on the right wing. Hey, Gallagher, we could go trade for Alex DeBrinket. We have the shortest line in the history of there the NHL. They, they could just sneak under everyone. Uh, maybe go get Nathan Gerby. Nope. Five foot four. There you go. There you go. Right, you just have all the good ideas. <laughs> why Why isn't Dustin Alexander the GM of the Montreal Canadiens? Imagine. Imagine. I mean, well, my, the Habs my, my NHL 20 GM mode, I have Lafreniere. Well, there you team, go. So. You clearly yeah. know what you're doing. Exactly. And, and then if you were the GM... The Habs Forum podcast would have great insider information. It'd be amazing. <laughs> I mean, it'd be, it'd be fantastic. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll make sure to, to drop your resume in uh, when uh, when the job inevitably becomes available. Seemingly more and more, considering Bergevin just not getting the job done. But uh, yeah, that that does it for uh, for today's episode. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. I mean, the, the the trade's over, trade deadline's over, and. Uh, the uh, the Canadians aren't going to make the playoffs. We're far from the draft. We're far from uh, the free agency. So there's not as much excitement going on if you're a Canadian. But hopefully, we're going to be able to talk about maybe the Rocket going on a run and going for the playoffs. Hopefully. Three in a row and two big games on Friday and Saturday. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully, they can keep it going. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, follow us at the House Forum on Twitter and ask some, some, ask some questions. Dustin's always at work. Nothing to do. He wants to answer your questions on Twitter.